Welcome to the Strongstown United Methodist Church. Join us for worship each Sunday morning at 11. Here's this week's message. All right, so our Old Testament scripture reading today is from the book of Isaiah, and it is chapter 62. And our other, our New Testament is not Luke, it's John. Um, so we're in Isaiah 62, verses 5 through, that's not right, 5 through 10. No, it's verses 1 through, 1 through 5. Isaiah 62, 1 through 5. Isaiah 62, 1 through 5. I will speak out to encourage Jerusalem. I will not be silent until she is saved and her victory shines like a torch in the night. Jerusalem, the nations will see you victorious and their kings will see your glory. You will be called by a new name, a name given by the Lord himself. You will be like a beautiful crown for the Lord. No longer will you be called forsaken or your land be called the deserted, deserted wife. Your new name will be God is pleased with her, and your land will be called happily married, because the Lord is pleased with you and will be like a husband to your land, like a young man taking a virgin as his bride. He who formed you will marry you, as a groom is delighted with his bride, so your God will delight in you. Now our New Testament reading is from the Gospel of John, and it is chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, um, the wedding in Cana. So yes, that is, it's John, not Luke, and it's 2, 1 through 11. Two days later, there was a wedding in the town of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine had been given out, Jesus' mother said to him, They are out of wine. You must not tell me what to do, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. Jesus' mother then told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. The Jews have rules about ritual washing, and for this purpose, six stone water jars were there, each one large enough to hold between 20 and 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill these jars with water. They filled them to the brim, and then he told them, now draw some water out and take it to the man in charge of the feast. They took him the water, which had now turned into wine, and he tasted it. He did not know where this wine had come from, but of course the servants who had drawn out the water knew. So he called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone else serves the best wine first, and after the guests have drunk a lot, he serves the ordinary wine. But you have kept the best wine until now. Jesus performed this first miracle in Cana in Galilee. There he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. So here, who here, you know, doesn't like a wedding? Like we all like weddings, we all like celebrations. In fact, that this time in January, we've just come off like a whole season of celebrations, right? Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Maybe some of us have family that celebrate little Christmas, so that's like a little extra bump after New Year's. And so we've been celebrating a lot. Now we have this big snowstorm coming on a three-day weekend, so we're gonna snuggle in and rest up a little bit. So, you know, we all like these celebrations. And here in the Gospel of John, we might, I, you know, I think to myself, why would John want to start with this miracle, right? Like in the Gospel of John, we have, we have Jesus, you know, raising Lazarus from the dead. We have him feeding the 5,000. We have him walking on water. But John in this gospel decides to start with the miracle of wine, you know, changing that water into wine. And it seems like, you know, not really that big of a miracle, right? But, you know, then I think, but this is, you know, wine is so symbolic in the Old Testament of God's presence and, and of God's goodness. And so this is a wonderful miracle to start off with because it shows the abundant goodness of God. It shows you know, God's glorious abundance and his goodness. And we see this wine imagery in the Old Testament, a sign of God's presence and goodness. In, in the book of Amos, it tells us, behold, Days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. And then in Joel, it tells us, then you will know that I, the Lord your God, dwell in Zion, my holy hill, Jerusalem, but will be holy and never again will foreigners invade her. In that day, mountains will drip with new wine and the hills will flow with milk. So new wine, this water turned into wine, this abundance, this promise that God is starting something new. And it marries up good with that Old Testament reading of something new happening and the salvation's newness. So I love that this um, scripture, this first miracle that John introduces us to Jesus with is this water into wine. And just as we come off the Christmas season, when the angels announced to the shepherds the good news of great joy for all mankind, they announced to the shepherds, right? To the people on the fringes. Here we have in the scripture, Jesus showing his glory to who first? To the servants, right? The servants filled up those jars with water. Jesus revealed his glory to the servants, to the fringe people. He didn't go out in front of the bride and groom and say, hey, I hear you're out of wine. You're gonna be pretty embarrassed in front of everybody. Everyone's gonna talk for months about remember that wedding when they ran out of the wine? Right? He could have done that. He could have gone out, big show in front of everybody. I'm gonna make sure that you have some more wine. No, 
fill up those jars, now draw some out. That wasn't Jesus, right? He revealed his glory. He revealed this miracle to the servants, to the people in the back of the house, and to his disciples, but to the regular people. And probably some of those servants weren't even Israelites, right? They were probably foreigners who were working people. People who probably didn't go to temple every feast day, probably didn't make their traditional, you know, pilgrimage that they were supposed to be making. Maybe people who didn't even believe in God because they were foreigners. He revealed the abundant goodness of God and his, who he was. So once again, people who weren't considered worthy by the standards of the time. In true Jesus style, right? Just like in the Christmas story. And then I also think about the other week when we had Jesus staying behind after the Passover celebration and his parents realizing that they lost Jesus and frantically looking for him. And he says, why were you looking for me? Why wouldn't you know I'd be in my father's house, right? And we realized that that question that he asked his mother was a question that he's really, in our living text, posing to us. Why are you searching for me? Why are you seeking me? And we see once again in this living text, Mary, she says to these servants, do whatever he tells you. Our living word of God is still speaking to us today. Mary's words to those servants are words to us today. Do whatever he tells you. Those aren't just words spoken over 2,000 years ago by the mother of our Savior to servants. Those are words that are the living word speaking to us today. Do whatever he tells you. We talk about the work of God is to believe in his son. And later in the Gospel of John, Jesus himself says, if you love me, do as I command you. And the mother of God herself, who when we hear through scripture, she sees all these things happening in the life of her son. And what does she do? She stores them up in her heart, right? And she says to us, do whatever he tells you. Because our Lord doesn't call us to do anything that he hasn't already prepared us to do that he hasn't already gone out in front of us to do, that he hasn't already prepared the way for us to do. And although Pastor Bill likes to stick to the Old Testament suggestion and the gospel suggestion for the week from the lectionary, the lectionary also suggests an epistle reading. And I think this week, especially the epistle reading is important because it talks about the spiritual gifts from 1 Corinthians. And last week we talked about the baptism of Jesus, right? And how not only the spirit that came down upon Jesus during his baptism is the exact same spirit that is upon each and one of us during our baptism and unites each and every one of us, lives within each and every one of us, right? And so the epistle reading for this week talks about how 
each and every one of us is given special gifts and talents by God. And they're not all the same. And they don't have to be the same. And they can't be the same. Or we can't do the work that God has for us to do here on earth. And some really nice people gave me this book. This devotion. You know who you are. <laughs> and I'm thinking as I'm preparing for this week's worship leading. Huh, I read something in this devotional on the 5th of January. Turned out to be. That marries up so well. And it's actually... This 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4, from the lectionary. And I want to read it to you because it's so important for us as children of God to know that we're different but the same. The same spirit lives in us. One spirit, one body, one Christ for all of us. Stir up. The gift of God which is in you. That's 2 Timothy. Be you. Don't be your parents or grandparents. You can admire them and appreciate them. You can learn from them. But you can't be them. You aren't them. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. That's from Galatians. Jesus was insistent on this. After the resurrection, he appeared to some of his followers. He gave Peter a specific pastoral assignment that included great sacrifice. The apostles responded by pointing at John saying, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to live until I come back, that's not your business. You follow me. That's in John 21. So in other words, don't occupy yourself with another person's assignment. Stay focused on your assignment. Do whatever he tells you. Don't let fear lie to you that you can't because you have to trust like Mary trusted. When the angel said you're gonna conceive of a child by the Holy Spirit, she trusted and had faith. Do whatever he tells you. Your home is where your heart hangs. So hang your heart on Jesus and go where he leads you. I invite you now to sing our closing hymn.